0: Oh my goodness. That was rich, wasn't it? <laughs> Amen. I am so glad to be back. Praise be to God. I love you folks. I love being here and I love you, pastor. Man, you are blessed with a fantastic pastor who loves you, loves the Lord and loves the word of God. Amen. He and I our friends, I, we don't have a whole lot of time where we're together, but it's like when we see each other, we just, we're always together. It's just that kind of thing. And I know what it is. It's found in Romans 8. The Spirit himself bears witness that we are the children of God. And so that's my brother. See, I see him and he looks like my daddy. <laughs> right? And, and I hope I look like his daddy. So y'all took that out of context, because we're both trying to look like our daddy, amen? Amen. Thank you so much for the invitation. I am so glad to be back, and no, I've never pastored in Texas, but I sure like preaching in Texas, amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, I'm going to begin to read in verse 1. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to invite you, if you would, in reverence to the Word of God. Stand as we read. Romans 10, beginning in verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Let's pray. Father... Thank you for your word. Thank you that it is strong, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. And thank you, Lord, that it's living. And God, since your word is alive and since you're still on the throne, I just pray you would dismiss me tonight, just set me to the side, and you preach to us. Because, Lord, you know every heart, you know every need. God, my words won't change anybody's life, but your words can change us all. So God, I just pray you'd preach. And Lord, I pray it would please you to preach to the end that somebody might get saved. And Lord, I would that all the praise and the honor and the glory might be credited to Jesus. For it's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I am quite disturbed about the day in which we live. I never dreamed that I would see sin parade in the street and not just paraded, but celebrated. Never dreamed sin, ungodliness would be celebrated like it is. I never thought I'd see a day where many of the leaders in our own country have zero respect for the word of God. There was one of the congressmen who stood a few months ago in the people's house. And last time I checked, I was the people. And said that the word of God or any Judeo-Christian tradition had no bearing on what went on in the people's house. I believe the people ought to show him the door. I just never dreamed it would be such, and even in the church, yeah. Uh-oh. we've compromised because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, don't want to make anybody mad, and I found out that if you preach Jesus and him crucified, you're going to offend some folks. I found that out. I, I found that out. You know why? Because those who are perishing find it offensive, the preaching of the cross. I don't know if I need to say this, but I will. Our world is lost. Do you know that? Hey, before COVID, we were just over 30% church attendance on Sunday morning. I don't know what it is now. I'm afraid to ask. I know that in my state, in Tennessee... We are 56%, and that's that's the closest statistic I have. 56% of Tennesseans are lost. We're approaching 7 million residents, and we have almost 4 million lost people in our state. Man, that's where the capital of SBC Life is. And it's a lost state. Is anybody here? If that's the way it is in Tennessee, what is it in Texas? What is it all the way across our land? From what I see on the news, it seems there's more lost than there are saved. So I just come tonight to ask a question and we'll seek to answer it from God's word. But my question is this, what are we going to do with a lost world? Because we're in it. Now we don't need to be of it, but we're in it. Amen. And so we're in this lost world. So what are we going to do with it? Now, some of us are going to just sit and be moaned. Oh, it's so bad out there. You know, I feel like Captain Obvious telling you we're in a mess. (laughs) That didn't shatter anybody's world for me to tell you that our world's lost because you already knew that. And some of us know how to talk about it, but we need to do more than just talk about our lost world because that's not going to fix it. So what are we going to do with this lost world? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 10, brethren, my harsh desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Paul said his harsh desire and prayer, I submit to you, the first thing we're going to have to do for this lost world is pray. Wait a minute. We need to be burdened enough to pray. I said we need to be burdened enough to pray. The Apostle Paul said my heart's desire. He felt the weight of the lostness of Israel. But hold on. Israel was his people. He wasn't talking about somebody he didn't know. These were his folks. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not talking about somebody on the other side of the earth. I'm talking about right here in Texas. People are lost and going to hell right out of your neighborhood. And we don't even care. Oh, we care, preacher. How long did you spend praying today for somebody lost? Hold on now, don't raise your hand. But if I ask you, if you know somebody lost, I wonder how many of you even know somebody. You know, I've done that in a number of churches lately. i say, hey, if you got someone on your heart lost, just raise your hand, I wanna pray with you. And it bothers me that in most of our churches, less than 50% ever raise their hand. You don't, listen, in the church, we're not praying for lost folk because we don't know any lost folk. Preacher, I'm a good Christian. I hang around Christian people. Do you know what Christian means? Does anybody know? It means to be like Christ. And you know what they said about Jesus? He hangs around Christian people. No, they accused him of hanging out with sinners, harlots, tax collectors. Hello? Hello? He, he runs around with that they There's demon-possessed folk we've seen him with. At least they were when they got there. Yeah. Yeah. If we're going to be like Christ, we might need to start hanging out with some lost folk. Well, Preacher, we don't, well, we shouldn't hang out with lost folks. How are you going to win them? Well, somebody else needs to do it. Well, you are somebody else. Are you burdened enough to pray? Listen, before you can go, try to witness. Are you praying for anybody, lost? Listen, I remember, I grew up in church. I told y'all before, I grew up in preacher's house. I've been Baptist all my life, nine months before. That's all I know. I've been to Baptist prayer meeting so many times, I thought my name was prayer meeting for a while. I'm just telling you, listen to me. And I've sat in prayer meeting, and I remember, I remember a day as a boy when we prayed for lost folk. I mean, people, listen, I'm not saying, well, pray for Joe, he's lost. I mean, they were down on their face in the altar and crying because people were dying and going to hell. Their family, their friends, their neighbors, their coworkers, classmates, people were praying. What's happened to us? We don't get wet eyed over hardly anything anymore, and especially when it comes to praying. Let me tell you where it shows. It shows in the fact that we're not seeing enough people saved. I know we just went through COVID and we're still going through it. I know baptisms are about 50% of what they were a year ago in Southern Baptist life. I understand that and I hate that it's that way. But you know what? God's still saving even in the middle of a pandemic. And it doesn't change the fact that we ought to be witnessing. But we're not ever going to witness if we don't get burdened enough to pray. Now, I remember my... Dad was pastor of church. We had moved and I was just a young teenager. And we had prayer room. I remember going to prayer room. Y'all ever go to prayer room? We had men's prayer room, women's prayer room. Y'all ever have those? Amen. And we, it was revival week. My daddy, we just moved to this church and my daddy was going to preach his first revival. Now y'all hold on because I'm about to scare you. It was Sunday to Sunday. Can you imagine? I know they rode their wagons up to the church. sunday to sunday he started on sunday ended on sunday preached every day twice on those sundays and let me tell you something heaven came down y'all ever been in the meeting where well, you had i'm not talking about having a meeting i'm talking about having a revival oh, yeah. hello i said i'm talking about having a revival yeah. and so every night we'd have men's prayer room and women's prayer room. now we would go in there pastor and 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 i learned a lot about how to pray in that men's prayer room because was one of those prayer rooms now y'all may not be familiar with this but We'd go in there and brother so and so gonna start and he'd say dear Lord and everybody would start praying. It's like dear Lord was just the the gun to start. That's what it was. Everybody started praying. Y'all never been in those kind of prayer meetings where everybody prayed at once? Are y'all okay? If I have to amen myself I'm gonna be here all night. Do you know what I'm saying? Hey, I'm just telling you everybody went to praying and it was rich. Now, I learned a whole lot, as I said, about prayer. I learned if you're called on to pray, you better pray loud and you better get a deep breath before you start. Because you got to out pray everybody to get to amen. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, we'd go in there and we'd really get to pray. And I mean, those brothers taught me a lot about prayer. And I came into church one night and I walk in the door and I hear everybody, well, Charlie's here. Charlie's here who's Charlie? We, you know, I just been to church a few weeks with my dad there and my pastor. I, oh, what, what, who's Charlie? I don't know who Charlie is. We go in the prayer room, and man, it's a buzz in the prayer room. Charlie's here. Charlie, oh, Lord, save Charlie. I heard him just praying, you know. Well, I, I still don't know who Charlie is. When my daddy got up and preached, and man, the Holy Spirit of God moved in power. And old Charlie was sitting right over here about five rows back. He, I didn't know it was Charlie. I didn't know it was Charlie. Just some fella. And he got up during the invitation. He walked down, grabbed my daddy in a minute. There was shouting going on all over the house. And Charlie had gotten saved. When was the last time you shouted because somebody got saved? Do you know that in that church there were folks there, I learned later, who had been praying for 20 plus years for Charlie to get saved? They about tore the house down, bro. And let, let me tell you something. Can I just bring you to the end of that story? He had a daughter named Angela. Angela and I were in the youth group together. And about two years ago, I saw on Facebook that Angela wrote, My daddy is at a nursing home, and he's in the last hours of his life. Please pray. I couldn't resist, and I wrote her a message. And I said, Angela, (laughs) I remember that night when Charlie walked the aisle. He gave his heart to Jesus and she wrote me back quick and she said, I was just sitting here with another man from the church and we were talking about the night he got saved. Listen, God used that man's salvation in my life, in her life, in the life of another man, in the life of that church. And he taught us something that we should never tire praying for a lost world. We can pray for sick, and that's good. And I believe we serve Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. We can pray for him to do that which we can't do. We can pray for him to give money and provide money and build, bills, fix relationships. Oh, that's great. And we ought to pray for that. But my Lord in heaven, we ought to pray for people to get saved. How many is on your list? How many are you concerned about? How many are you praying for tonight? I've got a man right across the road from me in my house, at my house in my neighborhood I'm praying for. I see him out there mowing and I'll be mowing and I'll get to praying for him. I'm telling you what, I believe the Lord's gonna save him. I can't hardly wait to win him to Jesus. I'm just telling you. When will we get so excited because we're praying for somebody to be saved? Paul said, my heart's desire my most earnest prayer is for my people to be saved. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about us. I'm talking about folks in this neighborhood. Oh, we need to win the whole world. We sure do. We're in a lost world, but why don't we start right here? Just start right here. You got somebody on your mind? You got somebody on your heart tonight? Some of you sit here and say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know anybody lost because I'm, I'm a good Christian. I don't know anybody lost. I don't know, I don't know, and you may not want to quote me on this, I don't know, but that, that theologian, Garth Brooks, <laughs> may have a song that perhaps Jesus would be accused of were he walking in flesh today of having friends in low places. I don't know, I'm just surmising from the text. I mean, Mary Magdalene had seven devils. Zacchaeus was hated by everybody. Is anybody here yet? Yeah. <laughs> he, he hung around with a rough bunch. But he loved them too much to leave them like that. Boy, isn't that good? Hey, aren't you glad he loved you too much to leave you like he found you? Glory to God. That's good. We need to be praying, church. We need to get on our face before a mighty and awesome God and be praying for lost people to be saved. Calling them by name. Well, what do we do next? I'm not worried about next. Could we just start? You know what I found? Here's what I found. The more I pray for somebody next comes naturally and the Lord tells me. Can I tell you the saddest moment in my life? When I pray for somebody, I get the opportunity to witness to them and they say no. And I keep praying. I'm not to the saddest point yet. I keep praying. And I witness to them and they say no. And I keep praying. And I keep praying. I keep praying. And then one day I wake up and I'm not burdened for them anymore. That's the saddest time in my life. Well, you're not very spiritual. Well... I don't know, Pastor, am I not very spiritual or did God lift the burden? Because they said no for the last time. What are we going to do with this lost world? I submit, first thing, we're going to have to be burdened enough to pray for them. Amen? Well, let me show you something else. We not only need to be burdened enough to pray, but secondly, we need to see them where they are. I said we need to see them where they are. Look at verse 2. For I bear them record, they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Uh, this was written in 2021. They have a zeal for, they have a devotion to God. They talk about God. Man if ever we lived in that day it's now Now Paul was talking about his people He was talking about the Jews They have a zeal, they have a devotion for God And God knows they did They'd wear their their prayer shawl out Where everybody could see it Because that showed how holy they were And how righteous they were And they wanted to appear that way So that everybody would look at them And think they were righteous And they did all they could do So that others would see they had a devotion to God But Paul said they've got a knowledge With their devotion but it's it's not a knowledge according to the spirits, Ladies and gentlemen, if ever we lived in that day, it's today. I know it angers you like it angers me to see sin celebrated and paraded in the street. But I want to tell you something. The world's just acting like the world ought to look because that's all they know. And they have some semblance of knowing God. I'm so sick to death. Lord help me. I'm so tired of people saying when somebody dies, they get their angel wings. That that is so far from theologically sound. It don't don't even get on the radar of theologically sound. When you die, you don't get angel wings. Bless the Lord, when you die, if you're saved, you don't become an angel. I love you. I'm just telling you the truth. You're not going to get an angel. You're not an angel. You'll never be an angel. Bless the Lord. I don't care how many times your mama told you it was an angel. You're not. Angels were created heavenly beings for the purpose of God. And we're not angels. Matter of fact, when we get to heaven, we're going to sing a song they can't sing. Because they don't know what it's like to be in the muck and the mire of sin. They don't know what it's like to be lost in sin, but thanks be to God, we know what it used to be like to be lost in sin, but we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, victory in Jesus. He brought me out. The angels are gonna sit still and listen when we hit the... mm. Some of y'all are going to get run over when I hit it. I'll tell you right now. I can see that now. But listen, Paul said they have a zeal. They have a devotion, but they don't know him. And Paul knew what he was talking about. I, I, I just want to show you something real quick. Over here in Philippians, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 5 and following, He said, I was circumcised, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He said, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul said, everything that my religion taught me I had to do to be religious, I did it. I showed it. I was the man. I was exemplary in my religiosity. That's what he said. And then he says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things as loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them, but dung that I might win Christ. Paul said, everything I used to do to try to prop myself up to be religious and righteous, I now count that as nothing compared to just knowing Jesus Christ. See, he got over, mm, he got over having a zeal for God and he got to having a knowledge for God. Listen, we need to recognize we live in a lost world and everybody talking about God don't know him. I said, everybody talking about God don't know him. And you just watch the news sometimes. They get somebody on there and they talk about generic little G-O-D and everybody thinks they're just something. But you get somebody like old Franklin Graham from the mountains of North Carolina get on there and start start talking about specific J-E-S-U-S and everybody gets offended. See, you can talk about generic God, but specific, specific, specific Jesus will upset the crowd. We need to be talking about specific Jesus. Even those of other religious beliefs, cults, talk about God. Well, I don't want to offend God by just talking about Jesus. I'm glad you brought that up because God said I've given him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess to the glory of myself. That's what he said. He said, I gave him a name that when he's exalted, I get the glory. So I've given him a name that every knee will bow to, every tongue confess. Listen, when we make much of Jesus, we are glorifying, edifying, and exalting God Almighty himself. And besides, when you talk about Jesus, you are talking about God. What are you talking about? Look at me now. When you know the Father, you know the Son. If you know the Son, you know the Father. And if you don't know one of them, you don't know either of them because they are one. We come to know that with our knowledge in our heart. Timothy Paul said, I desire that all men, all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth in Jesus Christ. We live in a society that, you know, it's not just angel wings. People, somebody dies that played baseball and says, Oh, God needed a second baseman. A fiddle player died. Oh, God just wanted a little fiddle player in heaven. Have you lost your mind? What? Let let me just help you. When you start, when you start telling everybody else what God needed, I, I just want to remind you of something we hold gold as one of the most precious possessions on the face of planet. It's, it's one of the most valuable metals on the face of the earth. And God thinks so much of it, he paved the roads with it up there. Yeah. 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 And so why are you trying to, why would I try to speak for God? We hear regularly of someone dying of notoriety and I'm telling you what, it amazes me they could live like the absolute devil and they die and on the news will come on, so and so is now in heaven looking down on us ladies and gentlemen people don't go to heaven because they die they go to heaven because they're saved And hell's going to be full of folk who have died. Those that weren't saved. And so if you know somebody who dies and there's not one fruit of the Holy Spirit and there's only one fruit, there's just nine characteristics. of. But if they don't show any characteristics of that fruit, my friend, don't try to make it what it's not. Preacher, I guess you've never had to do a funeral somebody was lost. Not only have I had to do them with those who I knew was lost, but those I thought was lost as others thought was saved, I've done. And you know what I did? The same thing for all of them. I preached Jesus Christ, him crucified on the cross, resurrected from the dead, and able to save any. Well, why didn't you say something about the lost person? It was too late for them. wasn't going to help me to stand. I could stand there and say a lot of good things and pour accolades on them, but that won't get them out of hell if they're in hell. But maybe it helps somebody that's there. Brother Charles, they're looking at me like, we know why you haven't pastored in Texas. (laughs) I recognize that look, I get it everywhere I go. Amen. Listen, Paul said. Paul said, they have a devotion to God, but they don't know him. And he said, I know what I'm talking about because I used to have a devotion to God and I didn't know him. I thought I was doing right. I thought I was religious and I was persecuting his church. And I met him out there on the road. And when I met him, he didn't even have to introduce himself because when I met him, he blinded me. And all I could say was, Lord. That's a whole other message. That's a whole other message. But so, listen, the Bible says, the Bible said they have a zeal. They have an intense devotion, but they don't know him. Not everybody talking about G-O-D knows J-E-S-U-S. And the only way to know capital G-O-D is to know capital J-E-S-U-S. Because as best I can find in the word, he's the only way to the Father. Amen. So I see here that we need to see them where they are, but that's not all. Verse 3 says, for they being ignorant, let's just stop right there for just a minute, all right? <laughs> They're ignorant. Now, now, in Tennessee, that's almost one syllable, ignorant. It's just, just a grunt above one syllable, ignorant. And, <laughs> and I just want to tell you something I've learned, Okay? There's nothing wrong with being ignorant. There's something wrong with staying ignorant. Let me say that again in case you didn't hear me. There's nothing wrong with being ignorant, but there's something wrong with staying ignorant. Now, how do I know that? Because I want to define ignorant for you, okay? Here's how you define ignorance. You can look it up yourself anytime you want to. Here's what ignorant means. You ready? Because some of y'all have called people ignorant. Let's see if you were right when you did. All right, you ready? Here's what ignorant means. Not knowing. That's, that's what ignorance is, not knowing. I mean, I've looked at my boys, they were growing up, I say, You ignorant? <laughs> well, they were, because daddy hadn't taught them yet. <laughs> the 21, 25, I don't say that much anymore, because now they know everything. Come on. <laughs> that's another message, too. <laughs> ignorance means you don't know. Now, the Apostle Paul said that they were ignorant. Who was ignorant? His people, Israel. The folks that he used to run around with and try to be like, he said they're ignorant. Nothing wrong with being ignorant unless you stay there. That means you don't know. And if you stay ignorant, you keep not knowing. One of the greatest days in my life as a pastor is when I figured out when somebody came and asked me a question, it's okay to say, I don't know. You know what I mean? Because people in the church ask some unique questions. <laughs> Would that be a good way to put it? And, and I used to feel like I got to know every answer to every question. And that's impossible. <laughs> At least in the Baptist church it is. And so I, I found that is okay. So I don't know. Kind of felt good the first time I did. I don't know. But you know, I tried to come back in a week or so and tell them what I found out. See, I might have been ignorant to it at that moment, but I didn't stay ignorant. That's a great lesson. Some of y'all might want to write that down. I'm not sure if I connected. It's okay to be ignorant. Just don't stay ignorant. All right. And so Paul said, of my people, they're ignorant. Now, what were they ignorant of? I'm glad you asked. They were ignorant of God's righteousness. They didn't understand how to be righteous. So because they were ignorant, just hold on to that. We're going to get it. Just hold on. And because they were ignorant, they were going about to establish their own righteousness. Boy, I'm glad we're not like them. Aren't you? Man, I'm glad we're not like them. We'd never do that. And you know what it means to be righteous. It it means literally to stand upright. And and in the, the spiritual significance, it means to stand upright in the presence of holy, holy, holy God. And so the people, Paul's people, who he was praying for, they were ignorant to that. And they felt like they could produce their own righteousness. Did I mention if we're going to win a lost world that we're going to have to understand where they are? They think they're good enough. Here's the here's, here's favorite line of lost folk. I'm as good as those people go to your church, preacher. Here's my favorite. I'm as good as you are. And I, you know what I usually say? Yeah, that means you're good enough for hell. Yeah, it sets about like you just took it too. (laughs) I say, yeah, if you're good as me, you're good enough for hell. Because I'm not good. I know him who's good. (laughs) Amen. But I'm not good. I I'm see, see, this is what's wrong with our world. That that they they have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. They're ignorant to the fact they cannot produce their own. Righteousness. They think if I'm as good as those folks that go to the church, I'm good enough. Ladies and gentlemen, they got the wrong standard. That's why you and I should never put ourselves up as the model, but we should always be holding up Jesus as the model. You want to live righteously, you got to live like Jesus. And here we find the Jews are going around doing all of their religiosity and they're promoting themselves as righteous and they're ignorant to the truth. If ever that described America, it does in 2021 because we're good enough. We're so good now we can tell other people if they're good enough. Matter of fact, we're so good now that whatever we decide is good, that's right. Let me see if I can illustrate. Have you heard folks when you will speak a truth from God's word and they'll say, well, that's your truth, but that's not my truth. <laughs> that's truth for you, but that's not truth for me. That, that's the day we live in. And so you walk up to somebody and say, hey, you're living in an ungodly setting. You shacking up with somebody out of marriage? You're homosexual? We should never be perceived as hating someone who is living anti-truth according to God's word. We should never hate them. But we should be bold enough to speak truth into their life, not because we hate them, but because we love them. What are we going to do with this lost world? We need to be burdened enough to pray, but we need to see where they are. They're trying to do it on their own. And they have now defined truth as as they define it. It's kind of like Wikipedia. Are y'all familiar with the Wikipedia? I heard somebody call it Wikipedia, And I think that's right. Because you can go in and add to the story. Even if you have nothing to do with it. Man, I, I, I'm born out of new season. Man, I wish my teachers would have let me define things the way I wanted to define them. I could have put a definition down for a word and teachers say, that's wrong. No, that's how I define. You know what my teacher did when I did that? F, you failed, son, you failed. (laughs) Ain't no discussion. Now they'll throw you in jail for telling the kid that, anyway, God help us. (laughs) They're going about to establish their own rights. They're trying to do it their own way. I'm glad that you and I in the church never do that. I mean, we we don't do things so others will think we are righteous, do we? I mean, we don't put some money in the offering plate just so when other people are looking, they'll see we did it. We don't come to church just because if I don't come, people will think I'm backslid and I just want to show them. We don't participate in service in the church just because we want to appear righteous, do we? I wish that that were not even close to being reality, but the truth is, it is reality. And the reality is this I've heard enough Baptists who said things to me and to other people that any work they may have done was absolutely nullified completely because they revealed their heart with their mouth. And that always happens because from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm. So you can walk around like you're righteous all you want. You can dress nicer than everybody and you can walk around and smell good and everything else and still be unrighteous and fit for hell. Ladies and gentlemen, if we can do that in a church, do you not think that's what's going on in this lost world we're in? They're walking around, parading themselves in all of their ungodliness and unrighteousness and want us to say, oh, aren't they righteous? No, they're not. They went around, look at this. They went around to establish their own righteousness, but here's what Paul said have not they have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God you will never be righteous outside of righteous jesus 1 john chapter 2 verse 2 and if any man sin we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous You know why he's called the righteous? Because he is righteous. There is none righteous but him. The Bible said there is none righteous. No, not one. That's me and you. He and he alone is righteous. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short. All of us have failed him. But he alone is righteous. And if you want to know how you're looking on the righteous scale, you need to look to Jesus. If we're going to win this lost world, we need to be burdened enough to pray for them. But secondly, we've got to see them where they are. And let me tell you where they are. They're at the same place every one of us are. And it says it in Isaiah 64, 6. Our righteousness is filthy rags. That's why when somebody looks at me and says, I'm as good as you, preacher. I can say, well, you're good enough for hell. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I really deserve. And I not only deserve it, but I've earned the right to go. The wages of sin is death. I've sinned. Don't look at me like that. You have too. We've all earned the right to go to. Listen, when folk die and go to hell, and if you're here tonight and you're lost without Jesus and you refuse to accept him and you die and go to hell, when you get to hell, don't say, oh, I don't belong here. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. If you reject Jesus Christ, you earn hell. Because you sin. The wage of sin is death. That's where it leads every time. Rejecting Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to not go to hell. How do we get off on hell? I wasn't even preaching on that tonight. Listen, we walk around thinking we're righteous just like a lost world. So what are we going to do with this lost world? One, we need to be burdened enough to pray. Secondly, we need to see them where they are. But then look at verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law For righteousness. Boy, that's good right there. Let's talk about that for just a minute. He's the end. He's the end. (laughs) He's the end of the law for righteousness. See, the Jews believed if they kept the law, they would be righteous. The problem was nobody could keep the law. I said, nobody could keep the law. So the best they could do was unrighteous. That's why they tried so hard to show themselves as righteous because they couldn't keep the law that God had given. And so some say, well, then Jesus came to destroy the law. And I submit, no, Jesus didn't come to destroy it, but rather to fulfill it. Jesus was the only one who could fulfill the letter of the law. Just hang that on your mind for a close line of your mind a minute. Hey, he was the only one who could fulfill every letter of the law. Do you know what that means? He is righteous. I just told you a verse there in 1 John 2 where he's called the righteous. You know why? Because he fulfilled every letter of the law. And so Paul said, I'm living in a world with a bunch of folks Who are ignorant to the fact that they cannot earn their own righteousness, nor can they be righteous. And Jesus came to end, he came to end righteousness being received by fulfilling the law because no man could do it. It took the God man to do it. Hello? So what are we going to do with this lost world? We need to understand the right. I'm about to give him a third point. Just hold on for a minute. I want to be sure you understand this. See, there was a time when I was lost. I was just a boy. I got on my knees and I said, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need a savior and I choose you. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead on the third day. Would you come into my heart? I'm turning from my sin. Forgive me of my sin and be Lord of my life. And I'll tell you, He came in and saved my soul that night. Now, that may not sound like much to you, but let me tell you what that means to me. I'm righteous. I said, I'm righteous. I'm right. Now, what does that mean? Did you forget the spiritual significance, being able to stand upright, that's righteous, in the presence of three-time holy God? Some of you think you're going to march up and ask God a question. I hear people, well, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to march up. And I'm You've lost your mind. You're not going to do that. He's God and you're not. You know what John said in the book of Revelation? He said, when he saw the Lord, he fell on his face as though he were a dead man. That's more like what we're going to do. And so in the presence of holy, holy, holy God, Rock Collins in and of himself falls on his face as though he's a dead man and I cannot even speak to defend myself because I'm in the presence of three-time holy God. But see, that day is just a boy when I said, Lord Jesus, I choose you. I need a savior. I need you to save me. That day, God the Father looked at me and he saw that I was bankrupt in my righteousness account. And he looked at me as just a boy and he said, he's bankrupt in his righteous account and the best that kid will ever do is be bankrupt in his righteous account cause he is not righteous, no he is not. And so God heard my prayer and I invited Jesus into my heart and so he reached back He reached back and he made a withdrawal from his righteous account, which was full and overflowing. And he made a withdrawal from his righteous account and he turned around and made a deposit into my bank. He made a deposit into my bankrupt account and he made me righteous. And if that wasn't enough, the Bible said he put a robe of righteousness up. Bless the Lord Almighty. When I stand before him, I will stand and he will not see Rock Collins unrighteous. He'll see Rock Collins through Jesus righteous. So what do we do with this lost world who's trying to seek their own righteousness? We need to understand what the Bible said, that he is the end Of the law for righteousness to who? To everyone that believeth. I said to everyone that believeth. What are we going to do with the lost world? We got to be burdened enough to pray. We need to see them where they are. But we need to point them to Jesus. I said, we need to point them to Jesus. We need to understand that we're not righteous. We'll never be righteous. We'll never be good enough. But thanks be to God, Jesus is enough. In every fashion, in every form, in every way, Jesus is enough. We're going to have to point them to Jesus and say, this is the way. This is how you go. This is how you go. This is who you follow. We must point a lost world to Jesus. The Bible says that he is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. If you come on down in this very chapter, it said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. It says with the heart, man believes the righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Listen, it's not just repeating a prayer or repeating some words, but it's believing that Jesus Christ is the son of God. God who died on the cross and shed his blood rose from the dead and inviting him to come into their heart turning their back repenting repenting, repenting of their sin, turning their back on their sin and turning their eyes on the Savior and Jesus Christ comes in. The Bible said if you believe it in your heart and confess with your mouth that's not just repeating words but it's believing to such extent, such depth and with such conviction your mouth cannot help but confess it. Well y'all don't get too happy. If Jesus has imparted his righteousness to us. And we just need to point a lost world to him. Well, I'm not sure how to be a witness. Just tell them who Jesus is. I said, just tell them who Jesus is. He's enough. I said, he's enough. We've got to point a lost world to Jesus. When the anti-Christian activities are occurring all around us, we need to point them to Jesus. When they're blaspheming the Lord's name, point them to Jesus. Jesus. When chaos and confusion is all around, point them to Jesus. When destruction and division is being propagated, point them to Jesus. When evil is exalted, point them to Jesus. When there's fighting in the streets, point them to Jesus. When the God-haters are hating, the liars are lies, and the sinners are sinning, point them to Jesus. When the devil is instigated and justice is nowhere to be found, point them to Jesus. When killing people is considered okay... I said when killing people is considered okay, be it the senior adult in the nursing home, the young man on the street or the baby in the womb point them to Jesus. When lies are told as truth and the truth is told as lies, point them to Jesus. When men and women don't know what gender they are, point them to Jesus. When the whole world seems obstinate toward the gospel of Jesus Christ, point them to Jesus. When the priorities of society are anti-righteous point them to Jesus. When the ruthless and the ridiculous are doing all the Talking, point them to Jesus. In the midst of a sinful people, point them to Jesus. When times are tumultuous, unrighteousness reigns, and virtue is extinct, point them to Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot change the sin nature of our world, and we cannot fix all of society's ills, but we can. Point them to Jesus. And not only can we, we must. What are we going to do with this lost world? I submit we need to be burdened enough to pray for them. We need to see them where they are. And we need to point them to Jesus. I read the story about two men who had been convicted of a crime. They had been sentenced to death. They're sitting on death row and waiting for the executioner to come and get them. And the day came, the executioner came, led them down to where they would be executed. And on that same day, the king got word that today was execution day. And the king reviewed their case and pulled out a piece of parchment paper quickly. And he began to write. And what he wrote was each of those men's names. And he said, I've reviewed your case and I'm pardoning you. For all of your sin, you don't have to die today. Signed, the king. He rolled it up, dipped his ring in wax and sealed the letter, handed it to his messenger and said, Quickly, go to the executioner." The messenger arrived and handed the note to the executioner who then handed it to the first prisoner who was about to die. And he read his name and it said, I've reviewed your case and I've pardoned you from your crime you don't have to die today, you're free to go. And the man said, can you believe somebody would play a trick on me like this? I mean, I'm about to die and somebody sends me this note like I'm going to get pardoned. He handed it to the other fellow who was about to get killed and he read his name and it said, I've just reviewed your case. I'm pardoning you of all of your crimes. You're not going to die today. You're free to go home. And he went. Woo! I'm free! Headed home. You know what the difference was? The second man believed the king and the first man didn't. You know what the difference in a lost person and a saved person is? The saved person believes the king a lost person doesn't. Simple as that. And so what do we do in this world that tries to create their own truth? We point them to truth. And his name is Jesus. And he died and shed his blood for the sin of the whole world there's nobody you'll witness to that Jesus didn't die for. And he said, if you'll believe on me and confess me, I'll save you. Maybe tonight you sit here and for whatever reason, you've just never believed the king to the point of salvation. Tonight's your night. Tonight is your night. I just came by to tell you, tonight you can receive Jesus as your... Do you know that tonight He can change you. Tonight, you can move from death to life. You can be as sure for heaven as if you're already there. If you'll just accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The moment our pastor will be here, I'm up at the front. Come take one of us by the end and say, I want Jesus. We can interpret that. We understand. And it would be the highlight of our day to introduce you to Jesus. Would you come? Would you come? Friday night I was preaching over in West Tennessee. I'd tell you where it was, but you can't get there from here. A matter of fact, I don't know how I got there from where I was. It was out at an agricultural center. Now I know y'all are a little more uptown in Texas than we are in Tennessee, but it looked like a rodeo rink to me. I was glad they did have an indoor area because it rained. And that night we shared the good word, we had a good time. And I started out to leave and I walked out the door and there was this big old boy standing there. He's probably 20 years old. He's a little bit bigger than me, had his bib overalls on. He is a farm boy. And he looked at me and he said, I felt like I was supposed to come up there when you invited people to come up. I said, Really? Why? I don't know, just felt something moving in me. I thought I might need to. I said, have you been saved? And here's what he said. He said, when I was a boy, I repeated some words, but I hadn't lived like a Christian. And So I said, well, son, you were probably saved. You know I didn't. I said, let me show you what the Word of God says. And I opened up to Romans 10. But before I read Romans 10, I quoted, the wages of sin is death. And I said, the Bible says all have sinned. I said, have you ever sinned? And that big old boy said, oh yeah. <laughs> it's not every day people say it like that. But he said, oh yeah. And then I shared with him the glorious riches of Romans 10. And that big old boy asked Jesus to come into his heart. His name's Drew. He got saved right there at the Agricultural Center. Praise the Lord. That could happen to you tonight. That was Friday night. Saturday night, I spoke to the football team at Carson Newman University. They had already had revival. They'd had about 20 saved in the previous days leading up to the time I was there to speak. They have camp, fall camp, but they have preachers come in and preach the gospel to them. I know it's an unusual concept. And I went in there and I just shared the word of God. And big old boy had transferred to Division II Carson Newman University from Michigan State. He raised his hand and said, I need to accept Jesus. That old boy got saved. Justice was his name. Look, can I I, tell you something? He had told his coach earlier in the week, he said, I think I may be too far gone. (laughs) Y'all about to get me running a lap now. (laughs) What I'm trying to tell you is this. Jesus still saves. And he'll save anybody from anywhere. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been or where you are, he'll save you if you'll call on him. You believe that? Amen. If you're here lost tonight, he will save you right now. Amen. And to all of you who are saved, you just said he'd save anybody, call on him. And anybody's out there. They live next door to you. They're your family. They're your friends. You see them at the Walmart. Y'all have Walmart in Texas, don't they? They got Walmart everywhere. But I'll tell you what I found driving a lot of country roads. They have a Dollar General everywhere, too, just, just for information purposes. But I just came to tell you he can save anybody that'll call on his name. And you and I, we have the privilege of pointing people to Jesus. See, those two fellas I just told you about, I I didn't do anything. I just got to be there when it happened. (laughs) Some of y'all never been there, have you? I can tell. Because I'm telling you, once you've been there when it happens, you realize how little you had to do with it. Yeah, come on. When you realize somebody just passed from death unto life and you just got to be there because you didn't save them, you didn't fix them, you didn't die for their sin, but praise be to God, you saw them point their eyes toward Jesus and say, he is enough. So what are you going to do tonight? If you're lost, I invite you to come meet Jesus. And if you're saved, I don't know how to tell you to do it, but you need to get burdened enough to at least pray for lost people. (laughs) Seeing them where they are, pointing them to Jesus will come, but you gotta get burdened enough to pray for them. I'm just looking forward as y'all get burdened for lost folk when they start getting saved, I'll probably hear you shout a couple states over. Wouldn't you like to see them just shout to paint off the walls, brother? Nothing, listen, nothing will put a shout in a church like folk getting saved when you've invested your time, heart, life, love in them knowing Jesus. It's not going to be long till the trumpet sounds and the church is gone. And who's going to tell them then? It's our great privilege. It's our great privilege. I just want to stick my chest out as far as I can. It's our great privilege to be ambassadors for Christ. What to do with a lost world. Be burdened enough to pray. Recognize where they are. And point them to Jesus. Father, thank you for meeting with us tonight. God, I'm in awe that you love us like you do. I'm in awe that you would love me enough to send Jesus to die for me. Oh God I thank you tonight Lord I thank you tonight That you saved my soul Unworthy as I am Undeserving as I am Thank you for saving my soul God I don't know the hearts of each one That's here tonight but you do Lord, for that man, woman, or young person that's lost without you, they know there's never been a time they ask you into their heart. They know they've never turned from their sin. They know right now if they die, they're going to go to hell. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would draw them unto yourself. And tonight, they would walk this aisle, take this preacher by the hand, and say, I want Jesus. Draw them to yourself, God, I pray. And Lord, for everyone that knows you, I pray our hearts will be broke tonight. We would come to this altar if we have to crawl and get on our face and pray for people we know that are lost and dying and going to hell. Oh God, break our hearts for a lost world. It's your invitation. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Very quietly stand to your feet.